kind of, we have a great time every Sunday night. Yeah? All you guys, and I stress that, guys only. We go bowling every Sunday night, 9 o'clock at the local lanes. Oh, 8.45 now, so come on out and join us. But the thing about it, I, I wanted to bring in bowling because, you know, you're supposed to talk about what you know. And I don't know how to bowl, but I like doing it. So um, it's just kind of weird how, how I can find time to do a lot of different things like bowling. And yet sometimes I, I miss out on what's really important. I miss out on spending my time with the Lord. Um, it's amazing, yea, verily, nigh unto pathetic, the sacrifices I'll make to bowl sometimes. You know, you know what I'm saying, though? Some of you guys are looking at me going, oh, what an idiot. <laughs> Can I just ask you a question, though? What is your distraction? What is it that distracts you most? What is your distraction? What is it that you do to fill time? What is it you do when you don't feel right or you're feeling kind of down or something goes wrong and you just want to escape, you want to do something? What is your distraction? Sometimes mine is bowling, believe it or not. But anyways, I'm going to address some of you different groups here. I've got some questions here for you for you to think about. For you, those of you who are single, what do you do when it's Friday night? No one's answering their phone, and you notice a familiar lonely feeling inside of you. You've got nothing to do, nowhere to go. For those of you who are dating, what do you do with the insecurity and the rejection you feel when that special guy or girl who just last week told you they love you now seems kind of distant or removed? For you guys, what do you do when you realize the one thing you think you do well really isn't all that great or significant, whether it's music, singing, your athletic ability, your intellectual ability? The one thing you do well and you realize, you know, I'm not that good at that, really, when I compare myself to other people. It's not all that significant. What do you do with that uneasiness you feel when people ask, what will you do with the one life you have to give? And you really don't know. You pray, you beg God, give me a burden, give me something, give me a direction, and you just don't have one. God's just not answering right now. What do you do with that? For some of you girls, what's it like when it's your senior year and there isn't a single decent guy calling? And you tell yourself, it doesn't matter, you're okay. But deep inside you, sometimes you kind of wonder, you know, what, what is wrong with me? Is there something wrong? Am I doing something, you know, have I missed out on something? Am I pushing any buttons yet? What do you do with the guilt you feel after failing in that all-too-familiar sin? The one you swore you'd never fail in again. And part of you wonders if how God is really going to believe you as you come to him saying, God, I swear I never want to do that again. Because part of you knows that you'll probably blow it next week. You ever feel defeated? You ever feel alone? You ever feel tired? You ever feel like you just want to escape? You just want to hide? So what do you do? What is your distraction? What do you do when you're feeling empty? You try to pray, but you just somehow can't. You've been there? What's your distraction? Do you go catch a movie, you know, trying to fill time, go down to the local plaza or the main theater to catch something just to distract you? Do you get something to eat maybe, go out and get a bite? How do you fill your time? Do you try to find someone, anyone, just someone to talk to? 
it's amazing sometimes I'll sit in my room and I'm feeling real down and it's amazing how motivated I feel all of a sudden to reach out to my roommates. And it's just to fill up my loneliness. Do you work out? Do you clean your room? Do, do your laundry or something? Anything to keep you busy? Turn on your music? How do you fill the time when you really just, there's just nothing there for you. You're just feeling empty. And you've got a longing inside of you for something. You don't quite know what it is. And you, you, you try to fill it with something. What do you, what do, you do? And be honest. I want to call up a couple of friends of mine. They spent the last semester in Israel. And uh, I hope they have a chance to share about their trip in Israel sometime. That's not why I'm calling them up today. But as I talked to both of them, I realized a, a common thread in, in the two of them. They both left this place and went to another, and both experienced, I guess what some people call like a wilderness experience. They, were just, they spent a lot of time alone, and I was really curious as I talked to the two of them. I, I heard a lot of similar things about their relationship with God and what their devotional life was like and what their quiet times were like. And so I've asked Dan Deckard and Bettina Saunders, if you guys could come up. I'll ask them to come up there and share with you just a little bit about what their times with the Lord were like. I want you to listen carefully to what they say. And see if you hear something that maybe you're missing. Um, When Chris asked me to do this, I immediately thought of at least 12 different times, maybe maybe many more times when I was lonely or uh, when I... I felt just completely alone, you know. Not only was I in a strange country far away, but I, you know, didn't really have my close friends with me or my mom or, you know, whatever it is. And um, I remember one time in particular, uh, one night when all my homework was done, it seemed like there we had a lot of time on our hands. There wasn't the distractions that we have here. And um, I went up on the roof of the Institute. It was somewhere where I would go quite often. And on the roof, you can view the new city of Jerusalem. You can see the King David Hotel. And you can see the Scottish Presbyterian Church. And you can see the city lights of Bethlehem in the distance. And um, one night, I was just... It was sort of... Um, at the end of my rope, I felt um, like, what am I going to do? And I, I read this in Job, Job 19. And I had been reading through Job and Job's life, and here's a man who had lost everything he owned, had lost everyone he loved, and I read this. He says, And as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last he will take his stand on the earth, even after my skin is destroyed. Yet from my flesh I shall see God, whom I myself shall behold, and whom my eyes shall see and not another. And then he says, oh, how my heart yearns within me. And I love this verse just because um, of the strength that God gave Job when he was down and when he was lonely and when he had no one to turn to but God. And he says, I know my Redeemer lives. And his heart yearns so much for God. And I felt, I read this many, many times for encouragement. And I just hope that um, 
my yearning for God will increase and increase, just like Job's. And as far as what I learned in Israel, now that I'm back, I keep finding times, uh, different experiences or people I run into, and I, I realize what I learned after the fact. I'm starting to assimilate things and realize all that God taught me there. And that's what I wanted to share. Thank you. Well, so you don't think I sound real negative on Israel. It was probably, for me, one of the most rich experiences I've, I've ever experienced, but not, not probably for the reasons that you would think. When people think of the Holy Land, they think, wow, I get to breathe the air Jesus breathed, and, you know, you get to walk the path that Jesus walked, you get to see the Sea of Galilee, and you get to do all those things that, that, that Jesus did, you know. But... That really wasn't the reality when I got over there. You know, before I went, I expected to ride this wave of emotion, you know, to be on cloud nine all the way, you know, just just soaking it all in, looking at the the city of David and all these things. But, you know, I got there and things were radically different than I thought they would be. And I can remember getting there and hearing the Muslim music over, you know, over the speakers. And I can remember, you know, not getting to eat pizza with pork on it. You know, that was a big thing for me. And, uh... Just, I didn't have a car, no girlfriend. Um, there wasn't anything you could do on Friday nights because it was Sabbath night. You know, you're basically just sitting there with nothing to do. And um, I can remember sitting on a bench. It's a bench in the in the park of the Institute, and it's real pretty there, and you can see the lights of Jerusalem. And I started to ask myself, you know, Dan, what's, what's, what's it all about? You know, I mean, I felt lonely, and uh, even though I wasn't alone, I felt lonely. And I just asked myself, what, where does your joy really come from? Is it, is it your girlfriend? Is it your car? Is it being able to do things? A lot of times when I get bored, I just check out a movie and go sit down and watch a movie. But you couldn't do it over there unless you want to watch an Arabic movie, and that's not very fun. And so I just found myself asking those deep questions of where does my joy and encouragement come from? And uh, I can remember the thinking thinking over the scripture that I'd learned, and thinking when Jesus came to the woman at the well in John chapter 4, and, and he offers her water, water that she won't thirst again, you know, the well of water springing up in her soul. And uh, I was just reminded that, that really the only true life and the true encouragement and the joy only comes through our Lord and Savior. And also in, in Colossians chapter 3, I came to the verse that said, uh, I just got to remember, when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then we also shall be revealed with him in glory. Christ is our life. And you don't think about it being over here and having tons of things to do. You can go down the plaza whenever you want. I guess it's closed now. But you used to be able to go down the plaza whenever you want. And, uh, but it's, it's a real time. And I, just, I found myself really lonely, but at the same time, very secure, knowing that Jesus was really there and that his truth is is true and that it's true now and it's true and it will always be true for my life and so when i think about israel i mean it was great to be there don't get me wrong it was incredible to see all those things but the most incredible thing was to realize and 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 to spend that time in prayer that when you didn't have anything else to do you spent time just reading his word and letting it soak and fill your heart and change your heart and you just realize that that he's real He's not just something we, we talk about and think something that we just stick in our mind and, and say is true. It's something that really is true.
lived in Germany. I, the first three weeks I was out there, I, uh, I was living with a military family who would leave at 6 in the morning, come back at 7 at night. So I spent a lot of time alone in foreign culture. I didn't speak the language, didn't have any friends over there yet. And so at that time, I experienced something like what Dan experienced, where I was like, God, are you, are you there? And then I'd tell myself, yes, I do believe he's there. And the next question that would come to mind was, God, will you communicate to me in a way I will understand you? I've got your book right here. I can read it. But will you meet me here? Because right now it's just me and this book. i got nothing else. Everything else is just based on what people tell me. God, are you really there? Will you really speak to me in a way that I can hear you, that I can understand you, that, that will communicate to me? Those are rich days. And there's something about that. I had a professor last semester named Jim Owen, who, uh, great class, U.S. history, huh? Right. Um, he, uh, he, a couple times in the semester, he would challenge us. He would say, I dare you, basically. I'd go out, take a Bible, take a hymnal on a Saturday, leave early, come back late. Just spend the whole day away. Spend a day with the Lord. Take your hymnal, take your Bible, go up to Vasquez, go up to Placerito Nature Park over there somewhere. Get out of here, get away from everybody. Just take your Bible and your hymnal or, I don't know, and, just, and just be alone. Spend eight hours with God. And part of me goes, oh, gosh, that sounds really neat. But in reality, I don't know. I, 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 could you do it? I don't know if I could. Eight hours just with my Bible? That's scary. Because there's so many distractions. There's so many things that suck away the life from inside of me. In reality, all it is is idolatry. All all those distractions, it's just idolatry. It's replacing God with something else. That's what it comes right down to. Let me read you a little passage about how God feels about idolatry. We all know what he says about it. Don't do it. But just how it affects them. Out of Jeremiah 2, Israel has been flaky again and listen to what God has to say it says cross over to the coast of Katim and look observe closely see if there has ever been anything like this has a nation ever changed its gods and yet they're not gods at all but my people have exchanged the glory for worthless idols and listen to this it says be appalled at this O heavens and shudder with great horror declares the Lord my people have committed two sins They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Consider then and realize how evil and bitter it is for you when you forsake the Lord your God and have no awe of me, declares the Lord God Almighty. really grabs you, doesn't it? But you know what? I mean, there, there are times, can I just be honest with you? There are times when my sinful flesh just goes, you know, let the heavens shake, because I'm just going to be a rebel today. I'm going to be. I'm just going to sin. And it's sad. It's pathetic. It's wrong. So I go trying to take down gulps from a broken, useless cistern, and get nothing. Kind of reminds me of that scene from the Three Amigos, where they're in the desert. This, it, it fits. Watch. It's three guys are going across the desert, and Martin Short pulls out his canteen of water and goes to drink, and just sand comes out all over him. Remember that scene? That's what it's like. It's like you look at something, and you go, yeah, that will satisfy me for now. That will fill my emptiness. That will make me feel better. You grab the canteen, you go for the drink, and it's just nothing. It's like chasing a bubble. 
You know, and I, so I know sometimes I just keep myself real busy. I just keep running. I just keep busy doing stuff, meeting people, doing homework, accomplishing this or that, and all the while I forget who I am. See, all that stuff out there, all the stuff I listed, there's nothing really wrong with most of that stuff. Going to catch a movie, I don't know, we can debate about that, but most of this stuff is, um, doesn't really matter. It's not a sin to bowl. It's not a sin to clean your room. It's not a sin to listen to music. It's not a sin to do any of those things in and of themselves. But we use them to replace God so often. We use it because we can't stand to be alone with him for much longer than five or ten minutes. Because we can't stand just to be alone sometimes. The world chases those things. If I was unsaved, I don't know what I'd do. But I'd be trying to fill my life with something. Whether it's drinking or drugs or something. I'd want to fill it up because I know I'm empty without God. And even though I'm saved, sometimes I give in to that side. I give in to being empty. I just, I, I give up. The fact is, though, we're not, we're not like that. We're new creatures. We have a citizenship that's not of this world. We belong to heaven. Um, and it's so easy to forget sometimes. It's so easy to forget that we're just passing through this place. This is not our home. We don't belong here. We don't belong here. And it's okay to feel empty sometimes. It's okay to have a longing because that longing comes from God and it's a longing for God. There are times, I know when you're sitting in your room, I was talking with my sister about this last semester, sometimes you're sitting in your room and you just feel so empty and you feel alone and you're, you're overcome with those emotions and you want to fill it up. The last thing you want to do is just sit there and really feel empty. And sometimes that's exactly what God wants you to do, for you just to sit there and realize your need and your dependence on Him. Can I just ask you one more question? How thirsty are you? How thirsty are you? Do you thirst for the living water? Do you thirst for God? Or do you keep trying to quench your thirst for something else? How thirsty are you? I, I can't make you thirsty, you know. I can't manipulate you to do that. I can't create that desire in your heart. But I hope I'm encouraging you to go in that direction. Can we just bow in prayer for a moment? Just take a minute to consider carefully and ask yourself that question. How thirsty am I? Do I really thirst for the living water? Do I thirst for God? If the answer is yes, covenant yourself that this week you'll spend a block of time with God, an hour, two hours, I don't know, I'm not going to give you a number. But covenant yourself that this week, think through what your schedule is. You know, maybe you can do it when the light's on, look through your day timer. But block out some time that you are going to covenant with God. God, I want to spend this time with you. And maybe you're just going to sit there for two hours. And you're just going to sit looking at your Bible and not wanting to read it. But do it. Sit there with God for a while. And let yourself desire Him and long for Him. Let yourself be empty. Don't try to fill that time with something else. Don't try to, you know, fill it with whatever. I mean, let some things go if you have to. We're Christians. We're children of God. We need to be in contact and in a relationship with our Father. Otherwise, we have no strength, no life. Let me read you one psalm as you get your ba- uh, heads bowed. It's Psalm chapter 84. 
as you're thinking through, just listen to these words. And I hope this is a prayer of your heart. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass to the valley of Baca, or the valley of weeping, they make it a place of springs. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. We're going to sing one final song, and then we'll close in prayer. Lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord my God. My soul longs and waits for your courts. And I would rather be a doorkeeper in your house than to live my whole life somewhere around. You are my sun, you are my shield, you're my lover from the start. And the highway to your city runs right through my heart. You are my sun, you are my shield, you're my lover from the start. And the highway to your city runs right through my heart. Try one more time. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord my God. My soul longs and waits for your courts. And I would rather be a doorkeeper in your house than to live my whole life somewhere else. You are my son, you are my shield, you're my lover from the start. And the highway to your city runs right through my heart. You are my son, you are my shield, you're my lover from the start. And the highway to your city runs right through my heart. Let's pray. Father God, we do long to be with you. And there's no place here that is really home for us. And God, that's something that leaves us feeling empty sometimes. We look around us and there's just nowhere we really fit. 
God, my prayer for you is that we would learn to long for you, to desire you, to turn to you for our strength, to find our life in you and not in these other distractions. And God, I confess my own hypocrisies. I'm sitting here telling everybody to do this, and I know I have need as well. God, I pray you would strengthen us and draw us closer to you. May we long for your courts. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.